You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. I have such a great conversation for you this week. So last September, I got a direct message on Instagram from Oregon-based fine artist and illustrator, Lisa Congdon. Lisa, along with being an amazing artist who designed one of my very favorite cycling jerseys, is also a cyclist and bike racer herself. And apparently, she was also in the throes of the menopause transition. She wrote to tell me that at 54, she had been in full-blown menopause for almost three years, and she had never taken into consideration the extent of changes it would have on her body, or the extent to which those changes would cause a drop in her athletic performance. She also wanted to tell me that she had read Next Level and had learned a lot, and she and her coach, Serena Bishop-Gordon, who was also diving into the content, were implementing a lot of the changes into her training based on what they were learning, to help Lisa, who was then 54, be the best athlete she could be at 55. So, of course, I was immediately like, let's talk. I want to have you on the show. And she said, let me see how all this training goes, and we can talk in a few months. Well, Lisa is now 55, and she is indeed the best athlete she can be. Lisa dropped me a note in April to say that she had just recorded her highest 20-minute power at a gravel cycling camp, which was 11 points over her previous FTP, which is functional threshold power or the highest average power you can sustain on a bike for almost an hour for those non-cyclists in the crowd. Then just a week ago, she posted a race photo on Instagram saying she had had the best race of her life, coming in fifth out of 60 women in a stacked master's field. And she had raced 22 minutes faster this year than she had in the same course last year. It's actually a really wonderful post with lots of insights, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This was a really wonderful conversation. We talk all about all of it, but it was especially really interesting to me when we got to the conversation of fueling and weight and body image, and how the relentless quest to be a weight that you think you should be, especially at this time of life, can prevent us from being the athletes we really can be. So we get into all of that and so much more, way beyond cycling for those who are not cyclists in the crowd. Lisa is so thoughtful and expressive and eloquent, and I really loved all she had to share, and I'm confident you will too. Lisa Congdon is an internationally known fine artist, an illustrator, a writer. She has made art and continues to make art for clients around the globe, including Target, Amazon, Google, Schwinn, REI, MoMA, many others. She's the author of 10 books, including Art Inc. and Find Your Artistic Voice. She is self-taught and she didn't find momentum in her career until she was only um, or almost 40 years old. And in March of 2021, She was named one of the 50 most inspiring people and companies, according to Industry Creatives, published in Adweek. When she's not making art, you can find her on her bike, and she lives and works in Portland, Oregon. You can learn more about her and her work at lisacongdon.com. Okay, before we get to it, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Feisty Menopause. 
Head on over to feistymenopause.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter with all the menopause info you need to know. Join our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group to have these conversations 24-7. Or if you want a deeper dive and have some one-on-one time with experts like you here in this show, check out our Level Up membership. You can also learn about that at feistymenopause.com. Very quickly, before we get to it, I would like to thank Vela Rosa for their support of the show. I absolutely love their fresh, funky mix and match kits, which are designed for women by women. I have some that are still going strong and looking great after more than five years, maybe closer to 10, of very heavy use and abuse. So thanks, Vela Rosa, for your support. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about those awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support And the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Okay, Lisa, I am honestly over the moon to have you here. I am a huge fan and I was so tickled when you reached out to me about the show and said how much you were enjoying it. So this is exciting. Thanks for being here. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I was saying before we started recording that I was, it was, I was having a sort of surreal moment because I've um, listened to and watched clips of your podcast for um, a long time now. And, um, and here I am like watching you and talking to you in that same space that I've seen you in so many times with other people. So it's pretty cool. It this is, is actually, very... I was going to say, this is actually like the f- only the second time I've been interviewed about anything but my art or my business. Um, I mean, I've done countless dozens and dozens of interviews and podcast interviews, but I was really quite nervous this morning because um, this is kind of new territory for me to talk about. And um, also really exciting that I'm in this space and, um, and um, you know, like kind of finding my way here. So. Oh, I love that. And, and that's sort of like, was one to be one of the first things that I wanted to talk to you about because, you know, you have talked pretty openly sort of on your, on your own show. And, you know, to me about like the impact of being in what you call full-blown menopause has had on your body and your athletic performance. But I, I think that most people in this audience, so I could be wrong, probably know you about through your art. You know, your art is, is very, very well known. Uh, you have been in Bicycling Magazine, so people who live in that space might have seen you. But, but talk to us about your athletic side, like about how you got into, I know you came into it a little later, your training and your racing. Like what's your relationship with with that? Yeah, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, I started as a competitive swimmer when I was eight years old and into high school. And then I chose not to swim in college. I was like, a very strong swimmer, but not anyone who had an elite path forward. And so um, when I graduated from college, a few years later, I joined a master swim team and I coached um, swimming is sort of my strongest athletic pursuit. Although now I am fully in cycling and I haven't gotten in the pool in a long time. Um, but I was a swimmer for years and, and coached master swimming and swam competitively, traveled around the world. Um, and, and I've been riding a road bike since 1998 when I was 30 years old and I, I signed up for my first endurance event. And then I kind of rode off and on for 20 years, um, until 2018 when I joined a women's cycling team here in Portland where I live. So I was 50 years old at the time that I like, was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. But even then I was only really riding one day a week. And then um, in 2019, so about a year after I joined the team, I became really close friends with one of the women on the team. And um, she was a much stronger cyclist than I am. And she encouraged me to start riding with her in the mornings before work. And I think it was just kind of an excuse to hang out together. And so I started putting in more miles and becoming stronger um, since I was, you know, sort of chasing her most of the time. Um, It works that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was not in any kind of like training plan, nor was I competing at all. Um, in fact, um, several of the women on my, on my team were like, uh, have you thought about competing? Do you want to try cyclocross, you know? And, um, and I was like, no, are you kidding? Like I'm an ex-competitive swimmer. No, no, no more competing for me. So that same year in 2019 in November, I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. And so, in the beginning of 2020, I, you know, started going through treatment. So I had a lumpectomy and I started radiation. And at, at the time, um, I also stopped taking estrogen, which, 
um, had been on since I was like 36 years old to alleviate, you know, my struggle with uh, really heavy, painful periods. And so it turns out that my breast cancer was estrogen receptive and might have actually even caused, um, caused the cancer. And, um, you know, cause I had been on it for so long. And so when I went off estrogen, um, I had no idea whether I was in menopause or not. And I think it was like ignorance is bliss, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, but the doctors were like, you can't take this anymore. So I went off of it and I discovered I was, as I like to say, in full-blown menopause, meaning I had no periods anymore. And really at the time, the only symptom I had at first was hot flashes and those continue in night sweats. And those continue to be my greatest struggle three years later. So I'm currently taking Lexapro to treat them because I can't take HRT. Um, and, um, you know, HRT, um, is obviously would be ideal for like the severity of mine, but, um, but the Lexapro does help. It hasn't alleviated them entirely. Um, I also struggle a little bit with disrupted sleep because of the night sweats and I've been an athlete my entire life. And during really intense periods of training, even when I was in my twenties, um, I'd have night sweats. Um, and so sometimes I'm not even sure if it's my metabolism, I hear or, that. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or menopause, um, most of the time. Um, so anyway, that's like, and in 2020, um, I, you know, it was pandemic time. I had finished my cancer treatment and Jody, my, like, I like to call her my ride wife. Um, she's the person who sort of like pulled me into cycling more. She also was like, Hey, um, you should get a gravel bike. And I was like, um, okay, let's, uh, so at first I got gravel wheels for my, for my road bike. And, um, and I just sort of fell in love with cycling all over again in a way that I hadn't. And I signed up for a couple of races, like right away, even though I had sworn off ever racing again in any sport. Um, cause I was kind of like so burned out with swimming. And, um, in fact, the second race I ever signed up for was Oregon trail gravel grinder, which <laughs> ended up being, well, which is one of the hardest the gravel races in the world. Yeah. It's the stage <laughs> race, um, five day stage race, like 300 over 350 miles, like 30,000 feet of climbing on very technical terrain. And, um, you have to remember that when I started gravel riding, um, I had like never been on a mountain bike before I had only been on a road bike and I was just so out of my depth, but it ended up being the most amazing experience that totally changed my life because of the people that I met. I mean, the gravel community is like really special and, um, it led to all of these relationships with human beings that I have today, but also, um, just sort of this like love for the heart and doing hard things. And cause I survived, I did it. And it was just like, I had a concussion, I got a concussion, um, which is maybe because I passed out during the event. Yeah. And I got back up and continued to ride. Yeah. And we think that I fainted because I hadn't eaten enough. I was definitely suffering from LEA low energy availability, um, because I didn't know anything about nutrition. And, um, and so I like started this race on the first day and it was like during a heat wave mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, and, um, 
And uh, I like was not fueling. I had no, no knowledge. No one told me. I didn't know anything. I was like, I'm just going to do this hard thing. I got this. And at the time I was like one of those kind of low carb people and um, pretty, pretty skinny. And um, I, that has all changed, but, um, (laughs) but I like, yeah, the first day um, they found me, I had like basically fallen, but I um, didn't have any serious injuries and there was no potholes or anything around. So they, um, they think that I just like stout, Um, which between the heat and the fact that I hadn't really eaten enough or drank enough water was um, probably pretty accurate. Um, but because I didn't fall super hard, my concussion wasn't severe and they did all these tests and they let me keep, keep riding, which was like, I was determined to, to do anyway, that race ended up being like amazing. And, um, and kind of, even though it was really hard, sort of propelled me into gravel cycling and, um, and sort of like entering the cycling world. Um, and because I have this, I'm, well-known in my, my other life, which is my life as an artist and illustrator, um, started, you know, getting a lot of work in the cycling industry and making friends in the cycling industry through those relationships. And, um, and that's been kind of like this exciting kind of merging of my worlds, right? Like art and design and cycling and like, um, community are kind of like the pillars of my life. And so, um, I feel like I'm reaching this new place in my career where those things intersect a lot and it's been really exciting. I, one of my favorite jerseys is your unity Pelochia Jersey, which is <laughs> so oh, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. That was a really fun project. Um, working yeah. with Felicio. Yeah. So many questions. So that <laughs> the day you passed out, that was like stage one. Did I hear that correctly? Yep. What did you learn? Six miles from the finish. Six what miles did... from the finish. So I, I DNF'd on the first day. Okay. But that you went on and, and did the rest of the event? Like, how did you change mm-hmm. whatever you did or did not do for yeah. the next stages so not to as repeat that episode? Well, that very evening, my friend Thomas Wald, he, um, he's a, we've known, we knew each other from the art and design world and like, um, like I've been friends with him since we were, you know, in our twenties and, um, he's a big cyclist and mountain biker, gravel cyclist and road cyclist. And he was there and he was talking about how many calories he eats an hour. And, um, I was like, okay, note to self, you know, like, I don't even know that I had that many calories in my like bento box on my, on my, you know, on my bike. And, um, and so, and then Jody, who was my tent mate, you know, she's my friend who got me into this. She was like, you know, kind of, you know, lecturing me about in a very kind, loving way about what I needed to do for the rest of the ride. And um, so I think that I still suffered the rest of the ride because you can't just not eat enough and then all of a sudden eat enough and be okay. Like I hadn't prepared Right. And so I was having gastrointestinal issues. I mean, none of them severe, but um, I just started eating more and packing in the calories and the rest of the ride, I was tired because it was really hot, but like, I think I felt better. And um, I got back from that ride and I continued to race that summer and I fueled better, but I know now because I work with a nutritionist that 
I am still, that I was still not fueling enough between rides um, and during rides. And um, it took me a while before I hired somebody to help me um, that, but I I eventually did because um, while initially menopause only sort of for me was like, you know, what's interesting is my relationship to menopause was really kind of through sport that I figured out that your body actually changes in really dramatic ways. Like I had no idea. I had no idea from a, from an athlete's perspective. And I had no idea from a, like I'm 55 now. So I had no idea, you know, this was three years ago that I really started to, um, you know, went off the pill and like started experiencing symptoms. Um, and, you know, just as a, you know, 50 some year old woman, I just like had no clue. And, um, and so I started to kind of dive into, especially in the last couple of years, everything I could find, including your podcast, including Stacey Sims book, you know, everything I could find about being a menopausal athlete, because I started to gain belly fat, which I had never had before. I, um, I started to, um, have more fatigue. Um, my like, uh, performance was diminishing, um, which may have been in part because I was under fueling for so long. Um, and, um, I must, you know, my, my body was changing. Um, Did you have I was mood experiencing, issues? yeah, some depression and anxiety, mm. um, and not nothing severe. And so I kind of started this journey of like completely changing everything so that I could feel as good as possible given the circumstances. And for me, that included um, hiring somebody to help me figure out what to eat, Um, not just to feel good as a menopausal woman, but um, to feel good and to perform well as a menopausal athlete. Just, you know, I think any athlete should, who's serious and works hard and trains hard should, you know, work with somebody um, who knows what they're doing Um, because it is not, uh, it's, you know, it can be complicated to, to fuel correctly. I was going to ask you what Kristen Arnold did for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually learned about Kristen on the girls gone gravel podcast and, um, I was listening one day and I had like, I, I had sort of known that my nutrition was not that I needed to eat more, but I hadn't really done anything about it. I think I was, um, afraid of, you know, I have, you know, I am like, I am a true Gen Xer. I am like, you know, I'm an elder Gen Xer. I, um, you know, you and I grew up, both grew up in a time when, you know, body image and body weight and eating disorders were an all time high. We were yep. fed, um, so much, um, misinformation about, you know, how you should look, not just, you know, as a human being, but as, especially as an athlete, yep. um, that you must be thin. And as an athlete, you know, a lifelong athlete, I've always sort of, you know, paid attention to that. And I realize now that I've been under fueling my entire life and, um, and that, you know, and, and so I was, I think, terrified to talk to a nutritionist because I was like, well, what if I start gaining weight or, 
um, you know, what if my body changes? And um, I've really come to a place of like, then that's what happens because I feel great and I'm stronger, but um, because that is what I'm experiencing. Um, but I, I need to be honest, like that's, those are the things I was afraid of. So after listening to this episode with Kristen Arnold, um, I emailed her and started working with her and it's been a year now. And I am just now starting to really like see a difference and also really understand what she's been telling me from the beginning and really practicing it. It takes me a while to sort of like learn new information and integrate it. Um, and especially if I had, there's a part of me that's resistant, um, but I'm finally getting there and it's been pretty amazing. Um, what does it look like in application? Yeah. So we, um, we talk a lot about kind of just everyday eating and, um, making sure that I'm getting enough calories, um, because I have, lived my life in some form of calorie restriction or another since I was in my twenties, um, probably even my teens, um, that, you know, it's really adopting this new mindset. And so instead of counting calories, we do kind of look at macros, of course, like, am I getting enough protein, um, fat and carbohydrates in particular, and what my plate should look like, what portion sizes should look like. I send her pictures of my food and my meals and I keep a food diary. It's hard for me because as somebody who um, I wouldn't say I ever had like severe eating disorder, but as somebody who has sort of like lived her life in calorie deprivation, um, you know, paying attention to how much I'm eating is like this. It's not new because I've always done it in a way, but like making sure I'm getting enough, you know, is, is a different way of looking at it. Um, and it really has taken me a full year to really like embrace that. Um, and then when I race or when like, for example, this weekend, I'm going to a women's special blend women's gravel camp. And, um, so we, we just met two days ago and we talked about like how to fuel for for camp and, um, you know, what I should bring in my, in myself, like in case whatever's catered is not what my body needs and, um, things like that. So, uh, we also have done things like I had a DEXA scan of my body to just like kind of figure out like, where is, you know, most of my body fat and like, what is the actual percentage? Um, because I think a lot of times we tell ourselves that one thing, but the data tells us a completely different story. And, um, so that that's been super helpful. I had a blood test. So she looks at, um, all of my data basically, and, um, helps me figure out if there are more things I should be eating or less things. And I have really, really changed my diet, um, less about like restricted eating and more about like I'm just don't eat processed foods as much. Like I can eat whatever I want when I'm on a bike ride for sure. And I definitely indulge in processed food. Um, but like eating whole foods, um, and, um, eating things that are nourishing for my body. I've also gone down the gut microbiome rabbit hole. Um, and, um, like for a long time, I didn't eat gluten and I realized like, oh, it's not that I'm gluten intolerant. It's just that I never eat gluten. So I am, you know, gluten intolerant. So I've been like, 
really working on eating a lot of um, variety of plants and, you know, working on my gut and my gut is like never felt better. Um, I also quit drinking. This has nothing to do with um, that part has nothing to do with, uh, with, with my work with Kristen, but that is also, and that's something that's kind of was a decision that, you know, we can talk about that, like what led up to that, but that's also helped my gut and my diet um, and my blood sugar. I wore a GCM for a long time Mm. just to like get to know my body and like what food was doing for me. Like when was my blood sugar healthy and when was it too low and what, what made it spike and then crash. And that period where I wore the GCM was like so incredibly helpful. I don't, for me as somebody who has like struggled with being too obsessive about food before, um, I had to be really careful about wearing one all of the time because I'm one of these people who gets really obsessed with data and, um, and then it takes the joy out of things. And so I decided not to wear it anymore, but I did learn a lot from that experience. Yeah. I had the same reaction. Like, and I, I honestly, I am a little bit on the opposite end. Like enough data is enough data for me and too many numbers. I'm just not interested, but I too, I thought that, and I don't think you need to continuously wear a CGM for the rest of your life. It's just, it's really just experimenting with it. Like you, you did just to learn. Right. And I had the exact same experience. It just taught me a lot. And I think you can go back to it if you need to, but I don't think it's something that, you know, is, is necessary for your, for your rest of your existence for sure. Yeah. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. 
I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. What have you, what is it, what have you changed? It sounds like you changed like a whole lot about your, your food and your approach to nutrition and fueling. Um, how has that worked for you on the bike? I mean, is, are you feeling stronger? Do you recover better? Are you, is it more protein and carbs or just more everything that you're, that you're doing? Yeah, definitely more protein and carbs. Um, uh, and you know, because of I ate a low carb diet before. Like I actually ate a lot of fat. Um, were you keto or just, you wouldn't um, define it as well? sometimes, yeah, okay. I went through periods of being, being keto. Um, okay. and, um, I think that like, I, the, the, how I feel on the bike is so different. Like I would constantly bonk and, um, I would go ride with my team for three hours, like a really hard, you know, 45 miles, 4,600 feet of climbing in three hours, like on a Saturday morning and not eat, but one like gel. And that seems so crazy to me now. Um, but you know, Serena, my coach has explained to me, like your body adapts, you know, you, it's crazy what you can do on very little, like it's not sustainable, yeah. but your body adapts. And, um, so I, uh, now when I go out, I make sure I, I like look at my bike computer. I like track my time and then what have I eaten in the last hour? And if I'm like racing and keeping up with people, um, I will just like pop, you know, um, like little gummies or, yeah. um, you know, things that I can kind of pull out of my bento box. Um, and then whenever we stop, I just like wolf down a bar. And then I always have like fuel, liquid fuel um, in my bottle, which I never used before. I might have electrolytes, but I never had carbs in a bottle. And I realize now how important that is. I always try to drink all of my my water as well. And um, my performance, well, I've also been on a training plan, which is, uh, you know, something that we can also dive into um, for the first time in my um, life at 55. Um, I mean, I started when I was 54, but, um, and so I'm definitely getting faster and my power is, um, increasing. Um, and I do think it's like all the things, um, and nutrition just being kind of like one component, but I could not never, ever have done this training plan if I hadn't been working with Kristen for nine months before I started. Um, or, you know, I guess it was maybe more like seven or eight months. Like it really prepared me to then work with Serena, my coach. Yeah. So you were working with Kristen before Serena. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Kristen was the first person I hired, like the first professional I like hired yeah. to be like, help. <laughs> um, and I have gained a little weight, um, but I do feel like it's healthy. It's probably underweight before, um, at least for like what I was doing and my age, right? I'm not, I'm not a 18 year old teenager anymore. Um, and I can't expect to have the same body. Um, and I've really, really like embraced that. And I, 
Um, I feel, I haven't felt this good in my entire adult life. So, you know, I'm trying to really lean into, to that. And, um, I am, and then, okay. So then I, so after I worked with, um, Kristen for a while, I had become friends with, um, Serena Bishop Gordon, who is, I I actually didn't meet her at Oregon trail, although she was like one of the top finishers at that race I did in 2021. And, um, I, but like somehow through friends, we like became acquainted and then we just, she hired me to do some design work for, um, for her gravel camp. And, um, and then we just like, you know, when you meet somebody and you just sort of like, are like, we need to be friends. So then we just became really close friends. Um, and you know, which is kind of the cool thing about like women, the women cycling community, at least in gravel is like, I'm an amateur. I'm 10 years older than she is. Um, but we like, and she's a, like an elite pro and like, we just are friends and she's been so supportive of me. Um, and, and so at one point I was like, Hey Serena, I feel like I need, I really want to get under training. I want to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to, I've never done strategic training. I've never, I've always just gotten on my bike and ridden a lot. I've never done sprint intervals. I've never, I've never done any of that. I I joined um, base camp um, for a little bit in 2022, but I got, I was in a crash and broke my scapula. So I like basically had to drop out. And so I got a little bit of it then, but like, I'd never really done anything strategic and I, I want to coach. And she was like, I don't know, can you recommend someone? I really wasn't asking her to be my coach. Um, but then she came back and she was like, well, actually I have one spot that just opened up and I only, t- I only coach like four people. Um, and, um, I'd love to work with you if you're interested. And I was like, hell yes. So we've been working together since the summer, since I think August. And, um, and so that's kind of like, and, and that, that has been really transformative for me. I also started, um, working with a strength coach. So after I started, I listened to your episode with, when you started your podcast, this podcast with Stacey Sims talking Mm. about like lifting heavy shit. Again, I had no idea. I mean, I think most people assume that like, you know, middle-aged women should not be lifting heavy shit, right? Like, (laughs) you know, you you might hurt Mm. yourself. And so I was like, oh, okay. Um, And, you know, again, all the fears about getting bulky and all those things, right? I was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to do what's going to keep me strong and healthy for the long haul. So um, I go to this infection. I just got back um, before this interview, but I go to um, a gym in Portland called Ironside and I'm working with a female coach who I absolutely love. And she writes workouts for me and we do them together in a kind of group setting and small group setting. And um, I've only been doing that for a couple months. So, um, you know, we, I haven't necessarily seen the benefits yet. So I'm really excited to see kind of like in a few months, how that's impacting my racing and my training as well. Um, do you feel and, any different? Cause I have definitely, oh, yeah. Felt, yeah. Okay. When you yeah, say you haven't seen months. the benefits, you mean on I your mean, bike? I don't know that like they're as, um, profound as they maybe will be in a couple more months, but I'm lifting heavier and heavier. I mean, she's kind of astonished at, I only go twice a week 
And like every week we're adding weight onto things and really pushing. I I did something today that almost felt too heavy, but like, um, we're getting there and it just feels so empowering. And it's this, you know, I was always really afraid of going to a gym, even when I discovered that this is probably what I should be doing. Um, because, you know, gyms are kind of like bro places, right. And, I'm, you know, I'm a female, I'm queer, I'm older. I'm just like, I don't know, you know, like, and then I found this gym and it's like super gay, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, tons of women. And, um, I just feel so comfortable there and I like, can't wait to go every week. I love it so much. And, um, so I train with, I do, I ride, um, I go to the gym Mondays and Wednesdays, and then I ride Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I Sunday is my rest day. And then Serena writes works out, workouts for me. And then we talk once a week about um, kind of like my progress and what I'm doing. Yeah, it's that pretty sounds, intensive. Yeah, that sounds awesome. How How are your, how's the whole menopause symptom thing going for you? Yeah, so um, I also... Um, started taking some ad- adaptogens and like, mm. you know, I really, am like taking, like, I'll listen to every science podcast about, you know, both athletic, like what helps athletic performance, but also like what helps recovery and mm-hmm. what helps menopausal athletes. And so I've been taking n- some new supplements and, um, things like, you know, omega threes and, mm-hmm. um, I take rhodiola and ashwagandha. And, um, I feel, you know, it, I have made so many changes in my life in the last six months. It's really sometimes hard to know like what, what is actually making me feel so good. And maybe it's just the combination of things like working out consistently in these ways that I am, um, changed my diet. Um, I quit drinking. I also, um, you know, I'm taking all of these, you know, putting all of this other stuff in my body, um, eat, you know, eating st- protein strategically after I work out and things like that. Um, and sleeping better, um, partly cause I, I gave up alcohol. Um, and also I'm just like calmer. I think I went last year was like an incredibly stressful year for me, which is what precipitated, um, all of these changes. So, um, 2022 started off just fine. And then it, uh, kind of devolved from there. Um, just a lot of stuff in my personal life, in my business that went sideways, um, and, you know, put my marriage, um, you know, through a very stressful period, we've come out of it on the other side, but like, it was just one of those years where the, my cortisol must have, I mean, I didn't even know what cortisol was until (laughs) I started talking to friends about it, but like, it must've been through the roof. Like, had all of like, and I got COVID. So by, you know, July of 2022, I was, um, exhausted. Um, like, so I was dealing with so much inflammation. I have arthritis in my knees and that was making it like, so I could barely walk. Um, I was, uh, my hot flashes were worse than ever. Um, I just felt terrible. I was puffy and like, and low energy. And I just, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start over. (laughs) And so I made so many commitments to myself that summer. And it wasn't like, 
I made the changes and overnight things changed. Like it took a while and they didn't all happen at once, but I started doing all of the things that, that I've just mentioned, including giving up alcohol, which I thought I was going to do temporarily to like help with inflammation and like my energy level. But then once I stopped drinking and, and I was drinking probably two glasses of wine a night for many years. So I wasn't like one of those people who would get blackout drunk um, right. ever, but like I would drink consistently and more than I should have. And so when I gave up alcohol within a week, I was like sleeping better and I just had more energy. Um, and so that combined with like everything else, just, I had like mental clarity, um, which I felt like I had lost, um, due to menopause or probably just a very stressful life. Um, I also, um, I run this very successful art business and I have two full-time employees and I, I absolutely love what I do. And I'm very, very, very grateful to have it, but I was hustling like for years and just working super hard and things in my career had exploded and I was getting all of these opportunities and, um, saying yes to all of them Mm -hmm. when I'm just one person, like I can't, even with my employees help, I have to make art. Right. And so I was like, I'm done. And I had been working with a life coach or business coach for a long time. And we've been trying to get me to this place where I wasn't working quite so much, but I just couldn't let go. It was like, I was addicted to working. And then all of a sudden, once I stopped drinking and like changed my diet and started working out more and like started sleeping more, I was like in this place where I was like, what am I doing? You know, I want, this isn't even fun anymore. Meaning the work part. Yeah. So I made a commitment that I would only go to a four day work week, which I adopted in 2023. So it's been a couple months now. I, um, I started taking on less work, um, that, so I have a more manageable workload, which means saying no to really amazing opportunities, but, um, but I'm just a happier person. Um, and so like the sort of culmination of all of that, that kind of like hitting rock bottom and then slowly kind of digging myself out of that hole and then kind of not just digging myself out, but like now I feel really grounded and great. And, um, and my performance on the bike is, um, like better than not ever. I, I, in 2021, the same summer I did Oregon trail gravel grinder, I was like, uh, according to Strava and training peaks, I, I was like faster and more fit than I've ever been. And that's when I was like under fueling. Right. Um, but, um, I anticipate that I will, you know, get there and surpass it with this training. Cause I took a lot of time off last year and like stopped riding my bike. And, um, and since I've been training with Serena, I'm sort of working back up to that, um, that, to that place and kind of just seeing like where I can go, you know, at my age with a training plan. And, um, I've really embraced racing, especially gravelly, um, I've really embraced racing, especially gravel racing, because it feels safe and, um, and, um, like also it's the mullet analogy, like, you know, party in the back, like people do it for fun. Um, it doesn't have the same kind of pressure attached to it that road cycling can. And, um, I can't run, so I don't do cyclocross, but that also seems really fun. Um, because of my knees, 
but um, yeah, so um, I'm into it and even found myself on some podiums before I started training. So I'm excited to see like where I go now with this as my race season starts in three weeks. What does that look like? What do you have on tap? So I'm doing gorge gravel grinder and then uh, back-to-back races and that's in April. In May, I'm doing back-to-back races uh, in Oregon on the coast. There's the Oregon Coast Gravel Epic. And um, and then the next day, the um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it, but there's another race in Yahats, Oregon. Um, it's a little shorter. I haven't done the Oregon Coast Gravel Epic before. I did that one in 20. That was the only race I did before Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder. Um, uh, let's see. And then in June, um, I'm doing the Oregon Grand Fondo, which is 117 mile road race. Um, but it's like pretty chill. Um, yeah. and I won my age group last year, so I'm excited to just like better my time this year. And, um, and then I'm going on Oregon trail gravel grinder, but I'm driving Serena's van. I'm not going to race it again. Like I did it last year and I was like, that's it. That's the last time I'm ever doing this because this is just too hard. And I like so I'm going to go for like the fun part and not race. Um, and then in July, I don't have any plans. I might go bike packing with some friends. Mm. Um, we're we're going to plan something. I've never done that before. And I'm really, really, really interested in bike packing. And um, I want to get into that. And then in August, I'm doing last best ride in Montana. Oh, nice. You'll, oh, I love that. A, I did that. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, my wife and I are going to like share an Airbnb with Abby Robbins and their wife. Um, I think that'll be really fun. Yeah. And then, um, I'm not doing anything else until spirit worlds in, um, you'll love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's going to force me to stay in shape until November. I have like a really busy fall. I have two solo shows. My first museum show opens in September. So um, I'm going to give myself a little break from racing in September and October, but back yeah. to it, November. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you know, you, you do absolutely have this really lovely sense of calm now that sort of mm-hmm. emanates from you. And, you know, when I listened to your podcast recently, you talked about sort of, you know, you, you did a wrap up in 2022 and you've talked about sort of turning a corner to Lisa 2.0 And, you know, one of the biggest points of that, you know, you did mention the giving up of alcohol, but also becoming comfortable sitting in your discomfort. And I feel like there are many people who could probably benefit from hearing what you mean by that and what that looks like and how it's working for you, if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, And I I do want to say all of this has sort of helped me on my athletic journey as well, because there's um, you know, riding bikes, you know, or I should say like, what do they call it? Type two fun, you know, yeah. it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's both good practice. And so is sitting in your, you're sitting in your discomfort is, is also good practice for, for cycling. Um, so yeah, we, I, I had been one of those people who I like to, I think about, like, I I refer to myself, yes, as Lisa 2.0. And that's because in the first iteration of my existence, I was always sort of going a mile a minute, um, doing things, keeping myself really busy working all of the time. And also, you know, having my, my half a bottle of wine a night and um, numbing out, watching TV and going to bed. 
And there is, um, that might sound like, you know, not much, but when you strip that away, um, you're left with your feelings, right? Like when you're not hustling to work constantly on purpose and you're not, you know, um, downing, I have a bottle of wine a night, you're, you're, you have a lot of feelings. And that was one of the first things that I, um, that I realized was like, if I were going to make, if I was going to make these life changes that were obviously like helping me, um, feel better, perform better, I was going to have to like get comfortable being uncomfortable. And like, to be clear, this isn't something I've been talking about in my work for a long time and I've written about it, but I wasn't really practicing it myself to the extent that I do now. And so I understood the concept of it, but I hadn't really truly practiced it. And um, one of the things that I learned is that like when I have anxiety, um, instead of trying to find a way to buffer it or escape it or focus on something else, which is certainly one strategy, um, and it's a strategy most people use, um, that I was just going to like allow it to just take its course um, without indulging it, of course, mm. and um, to just really be present with it. And I realized like, oh, it doesn't, you know, it kills me it, it, or it doesn't kill me. And then it like eventually kind of passes. And, um, you know, I had like a couple of experiences early on in this journey where I got um, this opportunity um, in the cycling world to do this really prestigious job. And um, I decided to say no to it because um, it wasn't going to start until January. And I had already made this commitment that I was going to start 2023 with um, a very light workload and, you know, not working on Fridays anymore. And I was visualizing the old me saying like, oh, I want to have a less stressful life, but you know, I'm going to, but then, you know, an opportunity would come my way and I'd say yes to it. And so I never got to the place where I had a less stressful life because I was, you know, kind of like always going for the shiny carrot, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, and I was like, okay, if I can say no to this, which is probably the most prestigious cool opportunity and it's a cycling opportunity. Um, if I can say no to this thing, I can say no to anything. So it was a way of like practicing what I was preaching to myself. And I said no to it and it was hard. And the person was disappointed of course, but like, um, it just ended up being the best decision because I, I, I like sat with this discomfort of having to say no to this opportunity and got to the other side of that disappointment and then really got to experience like my life being really calm and easy. And, um, I still, you know, need to work to make a living and I'm trying to find that balance of like, how much work do I need to take, you know, to like feed me intellectually and creatively and pay my employees and maintain my business, but not so much that I'm like feeling anxious constantly and feeling like I need to escape that anxiety constantly. Um, so I w- every opportunity I've had to just sort of sit in discomfort, uh, you know, in terms of the changes I'm making to feel like I'm calmer and have more inner peace. Um, you can't really get to a place of inner peace without experiencing anxiety um, because everyone, you can't escape anxiety. Like I'm on Lexapro for hot flashes, but it's an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. And like, 
doesn't take those things away completely. Like we're human, right? We have feelings. And so it's really been important to me to, um, to like, I don't know, feel like I've got, um, tools to, um, to sort of manage all of those things. And, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been pretty profound. And like, because my cortisol levels are, I'm assuming I don't really have them tested. I'm just like, you know, assuming they were really high and now they're really low. Like I'm sleeping better. Um, I'm actually losing a little bit of weight again, um, because without changing my eating at all. Um, and some of that may have to do with training, but, um, like things are kind of evening out for me. Your body's settling and in. my body's settling in. Yeah. yeah. No, you experienced that. Yeah. So, um, it's, you know, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty magical. Um, and you know, I, I do, I think like for me having all of these people in my life who are like helping me on this journey has been really important. Um, you know, I, like I said, I work with a, with a business coach and she's been really instrumental. Um, and then, you know, Serena has become a really important part of this journey for me because I literally talk to her in one way or another almost every day, whether it's by text or on training peaks, um, you know, or we have our weekly calls. And um, I really thought that coaching was going to be about, you know, my FTP and my power. And yeah, we all, we talk about those things, right. And those things are improving. Um, But, you know, Serena has been really good at getting me to understand that you know, that our main strategy is consistent progression. Um, and I've never trained this consistently in my life. Um, like, you know, we, we don't do like hero workouts very often, but we like continue to build. Um, we, we don't necessarily set out to, you know, drive our FTP, my FTP up for the sake of driving it up. You know, we we're trying to train all the systems and with an aerobic base and, um, you know, the goal is to have a great season, but, you know, but we also want me to set me up to have a great season three or five years from now. Right. Right. And like Serena's really into this idea of like building lifelong athletes. And, um, you know, we, we are, um, you know, we are seeing improvements in my, in my you know, very controlled training workouts. You know, it'll be really interesting to see I actually just got a new bike too. Um, um, I got, I had like, uh, and I'm, I feel so privileged. I just want to say like, I, I can afford to go to a trainer and hire a coach and like do all these things. And I understand that that is not everybody's reality. Um, I also just had a custom, um, gravel bike built for my body. Um, and with the right gearing for my knees, um, for, mm-hmm. you know, steep climbs, um, you'll need it in Montana. Little foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I need it here. Like, really, really steep and long. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> well, yeah. We're I'm so excited. Some, anyway. um, it took me a while to even use the like the smallest gear on that bike, but I finally did the other day. Um, but like, we're we're really working on like this holistic picture, and when we meet, we talk about all the things you and I are talking about right now. How I'm feeling, like, um, how I'm fueling, um, and you know, like even my re- in my relationship like one of the stressor points in 2022 was that my wife had gotten to the point where she was like 
all you're doing is going out and riding your bike and racing all the time. Like, where do I fit into this? Like I became so obsessed with cycling that she felt like secondary and (laughs) we really had to work. Yeah. I think a lot of people have, um, And she's an incredibly supportive wife, but like she, at some point she was like, what, like, where do I fit into this picture? And what I love about Serena is that she saw that and heard that from the beginning and was like, okay, we need to include clay in this plan. You need to communicate it with her. She is part of your life and your support system. So like, let's bring her in. And also you're going to have to negotiate with her. You may not be able to do all the races you want to do this year or travel as much as you want to travel um, because your relationship also matters. Like she really comes at it from a holistic perspective. And that's been super amazing. Um, Like all my coaches, you know, Serena's like, I want to talk to Gretchen. Gretchen's my strength coach. And Gretchen's like, I want to talk to Serena. So like, before my race season start starts, we're going to like get them on a zoom call and like everyone's talking to everyone. And, um, like Serena actually had a, a, a say in how my bike was built. You know, I also have a power meter on my outdoor bike now, which I've never had. So we're really able to measure my power outside, which has been great. Um, and so like all the things like, um, And I feel really lucky that I'm at a place in my career where I can take a step back from working all the time and really focus on my health. Um, That is a privilege. And um, yeah, I mean, like it takes a village, right? (laughs) And I feel like I owe so much to all the people in my life who are kind of, you know, I mean, there are people I pay for sure. Like I pay them money, but like, they show up for me in really amazing ways and it's worth every penny. So it's been, it's been really wonderful. You can also pay people who don't show up for you like that. I've, I've done it. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's good to find those who do and it's important. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I guess finally, you know, your podcast is all about living and working with more intention and curiosity and joy, which I think you've really exemplified during this whole interview. Um, Thank you. So, and I also, you know, my question was going to be like when I was thinking about it, like if you were to pull your menopause experience through those lenses, what would it look like? But I also feel like you've pretty much done that. You know, is there anything that we haven't talked about that through those spectrums that you that you think the audience could benefit from hearing? Well, I think what I'm realizing as I'm talking to you, and this isn't necessarily something that I really thought much about before, but I think that like really it isn't just one thing. And this is not new to you or anyone who comes at menopause. Um, you know, it is really it is all the things you have. You can't expect one thing to change your experience. Do I still have really bad hot flashes and night sweats? Yes. And part of it is trying all the things, but also just like realizing this is temporary and it's, it's sitting with the discomfort of it. And I've gotten so good at hot flashes. Like um, I know that they're followed by a period where I actually feel colder yes. and I look forward to that. <laughs> you know, I just make the best of them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the days when I don't have as many, um, are great. And I've just sort of learned to adapt 
into the things that are that are hard. Like, do I have to lift heavier weights to have a firmer core these days than I used to? Yes, but um, I'm learning to love that experience. And um, I also feel like, you know, I've never, aside from my knees, I've never felt so great in my life. Um, and if I, you know, if I'm, if a middle-aged menopausal <laughs> athlete can feel great, like, um, you know, I think that it's due to trying all the things and not just focusing on workouts or nutrition, but also focusing on mental health and rest, 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 recovery, 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 rest, rest, rest. Like, um, when I went, I went to Japan recently, um, for like a short artist residency and I slept so much and I got back and I was performing just as well as I had before I left. And Serena was like, this, okay, let's take note of this. Like you need a week off every now and again to just Highly sleep and do nothing. It's not going to affect your athletic performance. It's just like really good recovery for you. So let's build this in. So um, we're really learning from experience, but just like self-care, I hate that word. I hate that term, but like um, taking care of yourself. And um, you know, what's interesting is my wife is five years younger than I am and she turns 50, um, in August and she's still in perimenopause. So, you know, like hasn't stopped having her periods yet, but is starting to experience some symptoms, not hot flashes or anything like that. And she might experience nothing like some women don't, you know, but, um, what's really interesting is like, she has seen all of these changes that I've made. Um, and you know, the sort of cumulative effect. And she literally said to me a couple months ago, I want what you have you know? And so she also quit alcohol and like has been making some changes in her workout routine and lifting heavier and trying to separate herself from work. She also has a really intense career. And, um, and that's another thing I'm noticing is that like, just in living my life, I can be an example for other people who might be struggling with menopause or, you know, just like getting older. Right. And, um, as you said earlier, like I am a late bloomer. Like I didn't start my art career until I was, um, in my thirties and I'm self-taught. Um, I didn't start, you know, really getting serious about cycling until I was in my fifties. And, um, you know, I remember in, when I did my first endurance event, when I was 30, I realized that I had, that I, I was already an athlete. I realized that I had some talent on the bike and I was like, oh, I'm 30. I'm too old to hire a coach. Like that seems so ridiculous to me right now. Like that. I thought I was over the hill at 30 and that like pursuing this, like I had pursued swimming. It it was too late for me because I felt too old. And now I look back and like, what could I have accomplished if I had like gotten into cycling in the way then that I have now and like learned the things that I need to learn. And of course now I'm friends with people who, you know, didn't get into cycling until they were 30 and now they're like world champions. Not that that was ever in my DNA, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I think the world for women has, and women in athletics has changed so much just in the last, you know, 20 or 30 years. And to the point where I'm like, oh yeah, I can take up gravel cycling and and racing when I'm in my fifties. And my body is like kind of falling apart at the same time, but I'm going to make it work. Um, I'm going to like hack my age. Right. And, um, and better late than never. Um, so I like, I love that. I 
that I'm able to have this life and I feel super grateful and just really grateful for all the information out there right now that you provide and that other people provide. I've just, I'm now wrapping up taking Stacy's um, menopause class and I've learned, I mean, I thought I knew everything because I do read everything that comes out and I like even do internet searches and listen to every podcast. Um, like I said, I'm a data nerd, but like I just learned new things in that class that I didn't know. And Serena's also taking it. So she's okay. able to support me and, you know, she's 44. So like, this is going to, this yeah. is like on the horizon for her. And so she's super excited to not just learn to help me, but also, you know, for her future, like, like me, she didn't really know anything until now. And um, I just feel like the, the world is changing and we're learning so much. And I'm just really grateful to be part of that conversation. Yeah. A- amen. And excited to, to see. Yeah. I'm excited to see where I go too. Like I, I have, you know, I, my, my race season starts and it'll be interesting to see like, you know, in September, like where have I been and like, how have things changed for me given all the changes in my life over the last six months? And how cool is that? And that, and I think that that is more of a gift in itself, honestly, than, oh, what if I had started when I was 30 and where would I yeah. be now? I mean, I didn't start mountain bike stage racing on a professional level until I was 40, <laughs> you know? So Amazing. like, yeah, it, it's the, there are, no, you know, there's no arbitrary age limits, especially for women. But I think what's really cool is that, you know, it's awesome to be uh, immersed and excited about a new venture when you're 55, you know, like seeing where you can go like that is, that's a gift, you know, that's a gift. And I'm, I'm excited for you. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the audience who are, who are excited for you. And I've come to sort of view this transition of menopause as a really good setup for the rest of your life, because you do like go inward and go, okay, what do I need? What do I need to do? And all those things that you need to do are really good for you, you know? So like, (laughs) it sort of benefits you for the years to come. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I, I'm, I'm like, in some ways I'm really grateful for menopause because it's led me to this place that I'm at now. And um, like, as you said, like things I probably should have been doing for my body before, and now I'm just sort of forced to do them Um, or not forced, but I choose to do them because um, I'm really interested in feeling good and performing well. And um, you know, all of that is also just like, help the rest of my life, like my relationships, my work, everything um, feeds off of that good energy. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with Jen McNutt, who at the age of 47 and fully in perimenopause is back doing double jumps as a figure skater competitor after a 26-year hiatus. It was a super inspiring conversation you won't want to miss. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty.
You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.